Bibles, let's turn together, and I feel the Holy Ghost prodding me to preach the Word, and I'm going to read from the first few verses of Ephesians chapter 2. So if you could turn, and we welcome you, all of you today, to the tabernacle. We're a Pentecostal church. We're apostolic in doctrine, and we love the truth. How many love the truth here today? Amen. Amen. We want to walk right, baptize right, shout right, live right. And the Lord is helping us to do that. And we're glad that you've joined us here today. Could we just give the Lord a hand clap of praise just a little bit? Amen. Thank you for coming. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And so we begin, I want to read a couple, just brief verses. He, you hath he quickened who were, that's who he's talking about, you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Those sins kept you dead. So Paul reminds us of the lost condition in which the Lord found us before we knew Jesus. Wherein, verse 2, in time past, Ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So you can see there that they're linking living a worldly life, listening to the world and the devil. They're one in the same. The spirit of the world is the devil. So it doesn't matter if it, where, it, where it comes from, if it's according to the course of this world, then it is according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Okay, now a couple more. Let's just keep reading here. Verse 3, among whom also we all had our, our conversation, which is a King James word for our life. Conversation was an ancient word for life. So we all, among, among whom also we all, all of us, so Paul is including, of course, himself, everyone, the greatest preacher of all time, so on. We all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature. And so see, that's a very deep thought there, but we're, we're just skimming over it. In times past, in the lusts of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature, everyone say nature. Some of you are so worried I'm going to preach on those things. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as, as others. In other words, we were, we were just like all the rest. But God, verse 4, who is, I'm going to only read part of this, but God who is rich in mercy... For, and, and there you should read because of, because for there, that's the word here, because of. So I'm going to say because of, just to help us get it clear in our mind. Because of his great love, wherewith he loved us. Can we praise him? Hallelujah. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us, or he has given life, given us new life. Quickened is that old word, to give us life, together with Christ. So I'm preaching today from verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love or because of his great love. So let me preach here just a little bit from the subject, his great 
love. His great love. Could we just put our Bibles down? Could we lift our hands and thank Him for His mercy today? Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Him a little thanks. Give Him a little praise. Don't worry about the time. I'm not going to preach more than a couple hours. Come on, let's just thank the Lord. Father, we thank You right now for Your mercy and Your grace for what we feel here today. I ask God that You would anoint us and let Your divine plan present itself to us here in the preaching of the Word. And we thank You in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Please, you may be seated. Thank you for standing. So first, let me say in this message, His great love. Now, I know that it's old hat, and so I am already have it stacked against me. But when the Lord first began to truly draw me to this message, there were a number of things I thought, well, Lord, you know, that's, that's my favorite subject. Folks are, you know, that's just old hat to them. Sister French, do you have any old hats? She doesn't have any old hats. Sister French has just new hats. And they get newer every year. And, or I should say new hats every year. But anyway, got to have hats. And so, but the old hat is, well, that we're just used to that. It's just laying over, that's the old hat. But it is a sad thing, of course, or it would be inappropriate for the love of God and what it is to pass us by and for us not to truly recognize. And I am being led of the Holy Spirit today to talk about the greatness of his love. Not just to describe it. I could do that. I'd love to do it. We talked about it at Easter. That's a marvelous thing. But to literally talk about his great love. Can you say that with me? His great love. So let me say first that, that I know that the, um, the amazing mercy of a mighty God today is in fact reaching for someone. So you will be convinced in the drawing of the Holy Spirit of His Lordship. When you see His love and you understand His love, you are convinced of His Lordship over your life. It is, in fact, the love of God. Like when, and I, Lord, forgive me for this. I'm, I'm just trying to, some are just waking up. Lord, I'm just trying to get them to kind of join in here. When I, when I first met my wife, she wasn't my wife, but you know what I mean. She was going to be my wife. She is my wife. Okay, let's get the verbs in order here. I met a young lady and I was truly hoping, first thing I said was, oh, I really enjoyed that song. I love that song. Well, I didn't pay it. I mean, I heard the song. It was marvelous. But I was going to brag on the song and I didn't care about the song. <laughs> and she played the piano and I really was impressed. It was quite marvelous. And, and she played a song that I'd heard and I was really impressed. But, but the, the, the critical thing was that somehow... The love that was, that was beginning to form, that was there, that was present. Now, that, of course, had to come with time. You did the first time you met him. Although I've often said I w- it was love at first sight. Ever heard that expression? I knew the first time. I knew it. But it took love to do the convincing. And so it is today that the mighty hand of God is going to convince you of his greatness and his lordship because of his love. 
I met, I meet, oh, I'm, I'm trying, Lord, please, oh, Lord. I'm, I'm, being a pastor, of course, I, I, I meet people and they say, I don't, I don't love them anymore. I don't love them anymore. They'll tell me that. They don't tell anybody else that. And I'll say, well, don't, don't say that. Just don't repeat it. Don't say it over. Because here's what you have to do. And, and, and I fell out of love. I hear that quite a bit. Oh, I fell out of love. And I said, no, you, you can't fall out of love. Oh, yes, you can. Man, I fell flat on my face. And, and they, they go into it. And so, so, so it is that love becomes the key to understanding and loving and, and knowing a relationship for what it is supposed to be. And so it is today that God is drawing people all around the world, but certainly here today, by demonstrating His Lordship through His love. In fact, it is the greatness of His love that tells us, in fact, there is no other God, there is no other hope, there is none other salvation, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby because it is his love that is convincing us okay so that's what i'm that's what the holy ghost is going to do now we are all under and under and we understand and recognize in the drawing of god's love here today we sit here we're listening to the preaching of the word and we all understand the power of God's love or we could say just how truly magnificent his love is because of course he did for us what he did not have to do he didn't have H-A-V-E. He didn't have to do it. Nobody forced him. He went to Calvary for one reason, to die on our behalf. We were sinners, but he did it anyway. He went to die on our behalf. And when he went, Nobody begged him to do it. Nobody suggested it to him. He did it by counseling himself. I'm going to go down. And and so he came into a world that he had created and that had turned their backs on him. Now, so what we are beginning to see, most of us can understand love. And I want to talk about it a little bit more. Everybody say, praise the Lord. I know you're not going to preach with me, but I'm going to preach it anyway. I, I know sometimes it's hard to grasp love, even when somebody really loves us, for example, there are people that really love each other, but someone said, oh, I, I love them, but I, I, you know, I said, yeah, but look at their eye. See what you did to their eye right there? One guy was telling me how much he loved her. and See, okay, I'm, I'm not going to keep going that direction. I'm, for some reason, I guess that's what's going to help some of you to figure this out. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said, no, 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 you don't. You you." you that's, that's, not, that's not working. But when people love each other, then we begin to see why people respond in certain ways. For example, you see two people, they're, they're, we, we use the term madly in love. 
And so you can see why they do for each other and why they act the way they act and so on. But what if the person were a complete and total enemy of the person? And so there you find in this biblical concept the reality that while we were enemies of God, we were completely opposed to God, he still came. He still loved us. He still died at a, on a hill called Calvary. So we can understand that love because we can understand human love, as I've been describing. We can recognize genuine love when we see it and when we feel it. Now, now Jesus rocked the world with the stunning message of love as the center of Christianity. I've, I've got, I'm going to shock some of you. The centerpiece of faith is not shouting and feeling good and saying, praise God. Hallelujah, glory to God. That's not the centerpiece. Now, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to shout and dance. But the centerpiece is not emotion. The centerpiece of the church is the love of God. His power, He did it. That's the reason we shout and dance and praise the Lord. Because He is worthy. So He rocked the world when He gave a message of love at the very center of his teaching. Now in the Sermon on the Mount, which we're familiar with, I'm going to forgo all the formalities, he, he opened the eyes of the entire world, and has, it's been that way ever since. He opened the eyes with these words. Love, now I'm quoting this, I'm quoting from Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. So if we're going to grasp the greatness of God's love, the secret is found here. Love your enemies, which he, Jesus, preached to explain another commandment, to love thy neighbor, which, of course, is from the commandments. Love thy neighbor. Can you say amen? To Love thy neighbor. See, I'm using the King James, the thys and the thou, these and the thous and the thys. Thys. Would we say thys? That's a thy. Love thy neighbor as yourself. He explained it. That is, he expounded upon it. He, and in verse 40, right, you know, in the 40s there, in the middle of, of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, now I know you've heard that you should love your neighbor. Of course, the head, it was the center. It's, a, it's one of the most profound, the profundities of the, uh, of the commandments of God from Moses. And he said, so we start recognizing that something very powerful is in this message of God's love. Something that is so profound that you cannot leave this building today. It, it will not happen. You say, no preacher, you're not going to get through to me. No, no, I'm telling you, you will and cannot get away from a love as great as the love of God. It is not just a theology. It is not just a mental something. It is as real as anything that you see around you today. Now, the tiny nation of Nepal, you may have heard, has been rocked 
this weekend with a 7.8 magnitude earthquake. And uh, I'm looking around. Are any of our, I don't see, we have folks from near there and so on that are living in the States now, but of course, I haven't talked to them about this, but I'm I'm going to refer to it. So Nepal, of course, Nepal is like northeast. So think of it, it I mean, this is, I'm just trying to give you some analogy. Like you were thinking of Maine from here. So it's northeast. If you're in India, Nepal is between India and China, but it's a little sliver. It's just a very tiny country. And it's had a history of, of earth quakes and uh, so forth. It, it's all too familiar, but this weekend, it's been unbelievable. And I saw this morning, because you know, now you can get the headlines any time, day or night, because of computer. And so I thought, let me see what headlines there are. And I was moved, I felt, to, to use it. Now, the CNN headline, which of course came from right here in Atlanta, this morning was concerning the capital, which I'm going to pronounce. This seems to be proper, although I do not speak the language. But I think it would properly pronounced Kathmandu is the capital. It has about not quite 700,000 people. It's a, it's a fairly robust capital and it has been rocked by I, I want to just be careful here I'm trying to say this without too much drama I'm just it's true right now as I stand here and of course I know we have saints in Nepal we have saints all over India in fact one of the largest Jesus name apostolic churches one of the largest groups of Pentecostals in the world is in China and India and the Philippines. Those are three of the largest apostolic regions. I mean, there are so many people in India and China and the Philippines and, and all through that region. I mean, it, when you start trying to count them, which I do regularly, I try to keep up with the growth and all the people that are getting baptized in Jesus' name. It is incredible. So it, I'm, I'm talking about an area of the world where I know as sure as I'm standing here that I'm going to hear reports about people that we love and churches that we care about. So I'm, I'm not trying to dramatize it. I'm simply trying to make a point. But uh, in the last couple, uh, few, 24 hours or so, they have been trying to figure out how many are dead. And, and as of the count just a few minutes ago before I came in here, was very, very, very close to 2,000 dead in Kathmandu, the capital of Nepal. And, and still now, Many, many, many people are unaccounted for. So you say, Brother Finch, it's this ongoing. Should you really be talking about it? I mean, and preaching, using it as an illustration? No, no, I really shouldn't. I'm not using that as an illustration. I want to use the headline of today's CNN papers. That's what I'm trying to get to. So the devastation in Nepal is of such an expansive quake that perhaps this is the worst 
ever in, in that small country. It's left rubble everywhere. Pictures, of course, are uh, one, one little thing said, here are 50 pictures of the rubble. And I just went, what did you do? And it's like, oh, Lord. And, and the fear is that there could be many, 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 many people trapped in there. Right now, as, I, as I'm talking. So I'm in no way using that. I'm simply telling you I hope it will help me to make my point. Now, the headline today read, and I read it now. I'm to the CNN headline for today. Nepal rescue efforts come down to neighbors. That was this morning's headline. I read it and I wept a little while. And I prayed for our people. I prayed for our churches and I prayed for the families and all those that have been affected. Nepal rescue efforts come down to neighbors. Now, weather conditions yesterday forced the helicopters that were coming in with aid, although the U.S. and India and different ones, China, different ones are all coming, trying to get in there, but bring dogs that can search and so forth and rescue but the weather's been such that the, the helicopters with the food and stuff were turned back. They tried to land. They tried to get in. They couldn't. They, they sent them back. And I don't know. Maybe they've made it since this morning. They're, they're, they're doing everything they can to get in there and equipment that's going to help them. But this particular story that I'm referring to today says that the only... Now listen. Listen to what I'm saying. The only rescue efforts going on in the capital city are neighbors finding whatever instrument hammers I, I don't know I, I, just whatever they're finding and smashing most of those are made of concrete and you could see like one top of a great building fell off and it's true I'm just trying not to be too uh, dramatic about it it had fallen on someone and and they were still there and they were trying to get them out and it was the story was there the people were and they were pounding and 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 that's where we get this headline efforts come down to neighbors because the rescue people are you know minutes away they're trying to get in there uh, as of uh, this morning they weren't able to get into the capital city the uh, nearly a million people they're still trapped they they got they're going through trying to call and find out the electricity's out the hospitals basically with no electricity and and one man was rescued and that's what the article this morning was about they pounded and they pounded and they beat that concrete i thought to myself how do you do it? I mean, I don't know how you would pound concrete until they busted a huge piece of concrete and, and these neighbors were able to pull a man free and saved his life. That was just this morning, just a few minutes ago. Morning to me, I, I figured the time zone yourself. I don't know exactly the time zone. But 
this morning's report that they had been pounding and it gave the number of minutes they pounded and hours and they worked and the, they were trying, they, they, they were afraid they were gonna lose him and then they freed the man and that's all under the clip and everything. I didn't watch, I, I'm not a little, I'm a little squeamish but I, 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 I was praying and, and I, all I could think of was how we, you know it's true, you know I'm preaching you the truth right now, that we learn love when we experience what happens with our neighbors. So we might say, well, the people in Nepal are not my neighbor. Well, I just proved that's not true. I just proved that I can barely even speak in this, in this uh, Atlanta area church about Nepal and you feel compassion and love and concern and nations all over the world are running in there because of an earthquake. I'm telling you that there is something about the love of neighbor that does something to us. It gets a hold of us. But I want to tell you the most important thing it does. It teaches us that love is powerful. That love is real. Whatever I've got to do, I've got to do it. That's what love teaches us. Okay, so some of you are convinced and some are not. But I'm telling you now that there is nothing like the love. There is nothing as great as the greatness of God's love. Praise God. I'm not, I'm not minimizing it. You pound. You, you pound it. You break it up and you get a man. Yes, that's true. unbelievable. Even now, it, 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 it's, it's just beyond my comprehension. But to think of a God, it is compassion, just as I described, that draws us to people. We could say love, but but let's say compassion. So we comprehend it. We, we sense it. I don't care if you're a gangbanger. I don't care if you're a demon possessed. I guess it would depend on just how possessed. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be too, too overly confident here. But we, we can. I mean almost all of us can comprehend it. Because we know it is real. We know that it's true. I don't have to be in Nepal. I don't know how to have to know how to pronounce the 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 Nepalese. I think they would say the Nepalese capital. I think I pronounced it probably correctly, but I I know, I know very little about Nepal except sometimes I get reports of people getting the Holy Ghost and and I've tried to research and find out how people are, they're getting baptized there in Jesus' name and and there's really no place in the world that God is not filling people with the Holy Ghost. But the truth of the matter is I don't have to know them and I don't have to have been there to know that loving my neighbor is real. It's even more startling to us when love breaks every barrier so that we no longer say my neighbor. Now some of you will not get it. I know you won't get it. I I, I understand. I'm not trying to be too deep here. I'm trying to tell you that before you can ever grasp the greatness of his love, his great love 
begins at the point at which we no longer just say God is a God that loves his neighbor or he reaches. That's what I mean by a barrier or a limit. And I'm not saying that there's something wrong with loving your neighbor, that that kind of love is uh, incomplete or something. I, I know that it's not incomplete. I'm trying to tell you that the love of God goes deeper. It goes farther than any barrier that you can put to it. It's such a love, it is so great that it's almost incomprehensible. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying it very well. As God loved us, the Bible says, Romans 5, and that while we were yet sinners, see, Romans 5, which is my favorite love chapter. Usually I'll preach, I love to preach from Romans 5. Christ died for us, Paul said, and so in that while we were yet sinners, which is exactly what I've been preaching. Of course, I'm doing it from... Ephesians 2, but so loving beyond neighborhoods. See, some people think it's astonishing if, if you can love outside of your race or outside of your neighborhood or outside of your comfort zone. Oh, we rarely in this world accomplish any of the three things that I just mentioned. But let me, let me, read, you, let me read you a little famous quote. See if you recognize it. You, you might not. I'm not. I won't scold you if you don't. But I just want to read it. Everybody say, "Praise the Lord." Can I preach a little bit longer? Just give me a few minutes. I'm not going to preach long. Come on, come on now. You got to preach with me. Now I'm going to read it. Here it is. I'm quoting. You look at every man. I'm quoting someone. I want you to see if you recognize it. It's very, 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 very famous person. And I'm quoting him. So it's a man. You look at every man and you love him because you know that God loves him. That may be one of the most famous things this man has ever said. Now some of you will think, that it was the great sermon that he preached in Washington, D.C. So, now, which well-known American said what I just read? I'm going to read a little bit more. Men, I'm quoting now, must see. I want you to tell the difference between the quoting and me shouting and so on. Quote, men must see that, see, I'm tempted to read all, I just love this, I just love it, I love reading it, I love, I'm preaching about it, I, I just enjoy it. Men must see that force begets force. Hate begets hate. So, and I'm stopping right in the middle of a great, I mean, where, where if, if if he were a Jesus name preacher, we'd just be shouting and dancing all over the platform. I'm stopping right there. But yes, I think you recognizing this familiar sounding, very famous comments from Montgomery, Alabama, 1957. A young preacher, a Baptist preacher. It's not all that often I quote a Baptist preacher. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. A speech by a young preacher by the name of Dr., and he was indeed a doctor, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So you guessed it. That's 
That's who I was quoting. Perhaps two or three. Now some people would never have, don't even read his sermons. They read his uh, other speeches and so on. Or for example, some people will say they've read Luther, I mean, uh, Dr. King, but they don't read his letters from jail. And then I tell them, well, you haven't read anything. You know. Of course, that's not true, but you know what I mean. The letters from jail are just as interesting as, as the other things. And so he entitled this sermon, let me give you the title, Love Your Enemies. That's the title of his sermon. But that is not all he said. He admitted just how hard it is to love in such a way. And he said, Jesus surely realized. Now I'm quoting, I'm actually in a quote. I mean, I could put quotes around it. That it's difficult to love those persons who seek to defeat you. I'm quoting his sermon from Montgomery, Alabama, 1957. I could give you more info. It doesn't matter. Some people, and I'm still quoting, aren't going to like you because your skin is a little darker than theirs. So, Dr. King knew that love is powerful because Jesus said it is powerful. It's powerful enough to change the world. Can you say praise the Lord? Because that is precisely what Jesus did. He changed the world. Jesus loved you with great love. So powerful that he suffered the agonies of crucifixion. Not only when he had not sinned himself and had all the power in the world to escape, my friend, but also when you and when I were still sinners. We cared nothing. We were, in fact, enemies. And so we sat here, many of us, we sat here, you sat here, all over America, the world, Nepal. Believe me, the churches in Nepal, whatever time it is, they're praying, they're working, because there's something powerful, and there's nothing more powerful than the love of God. We were guilty, he was not. But his great love goes beyond the limits and transforms the one that is loved. In other words, love becomes a transformation. Hallelujah. Oh! Praise God. Love becomes a transformation. Now, President Lincoln, and I'm, this is it. Uh, come on, musicians, come on. I'm, I'm going to stop. I, I want to preach, but, but I, you, I know you're not going to help me. So come on, uh, just whoever's singing, come on. Get ready. Lincoln stunned his advisors. This is my la- I'm right here. This is it. I'm, I'm winding it off. He stunned all involved when he was elected, when he announced the appointment 
of his greatest political enemy as Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton. I find this. Now you say, Brother French, that's an interesting illustration. Where'd you get it? I got it from a preacher who preached this sermon in 1957. That's the first time I ever knew this story. His name was Dr. King. And I've just, I'm just reading you his, his account. Lincoln announced that he was appointing Edwin Stanton U.S. Secretary of War. Stanton, it was, had laughed at Lincoln from sea to shining sea. From the day he made his first announcement to run for president, it was Stanton who laughed at Lincoln and held rallies where they made fun and drew pictures and had big posters of Lincoln as an idiot. Do you know, Mr. President? One advisor shouted out rather furious. What he has done to you and your name? To which Lincoln shouted back, Yes, I know. And I also know that after scouring the nation, the fact remains he's the best man for the job. They say that no one was more stunned than Edwin Stanton when the announcement was made. Some say his false teeth. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. That's not true. Erase that. He was stunned. The Secretary of the War? You you have that much confidence in me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll be meeting in the first day. They were, boy, I tell you, and who could have been a more important person in all of the administration to join the president? When I first read this in Dr. King's Sermons, I wept then. I'm I'm weeping right now. So, what you may not know is just how this act of, of course you know I mean love, but act of forgiveness and faith in a man's true ability, regardless of the fact that he was his number one enemy. How it thoroughly transformed the Secretary of War. He soon became known as Lincoln's greatest (laughs) supporter. It was like Lincoln could do no wrong. I mean, he was so moved by Lincoln's recognition. You're my enemy, but, but I have confidence in you. You're the man that can do what this nation needs. And it completely revolutionized not only Edwin Stanton, but America. Because America was, as you know, in tremendous time of complex war and so forth. And so it was. And then it was Stanton, you guessed it, who ran as fast as he could run. The night that Lincoln decided to go to Ford's Theater and that fatal shot 
And then they rushed, that was, of course, April 14, 1865. They rushed him, and they, the, the very first person they contacted was the secretary of Mr. Stanton, the president. They say that he nearly killed himself trying to get there. And they also say that the next morning when the sun came in, Lincoln had breathed his last that Stanton could barely make the announcement that the world was awaiting. And in telling the world that Lincoln had passed, it was what had been his greatest enemy made the statements that have become known as the most beautiful and eloquent words about Lincoln that have ever been spoken. There lies, he said, the most perfect ruler of men the world has ever seen. I'm quoting there were those that were jotting things down right there. The papers were, I mean, it was, the world was breathless. And he concluded that announcement April the 15th. Now, he added, he belongs to the ages. Perhaps the most famous line about Lincoln but I'm telling you about it today because it's the proof of the transformation that love, a great love, brings. So transformation is possible.